Will only a few be saved? Can many be saved? This is the question. This is a question for someone that asked Jesus this question 2,000 years ago, and it is a question that we still ask today. In today's gospel reading from Luke 13, someone asked Jesus, will only a few be saved? The person asks this question in this way, will only a few be saved, because of the prevailing view of the Jews of Jesus' day was that only a few people would be saved. What was called the remnant, the truly faithful. The exact opposite is the case today. The prevailing view of most people today is that most, if not close to all, if not all, people will be saved. So which is it? What is Jesus' answer? Jesus has a few things to say here in Luke 13. I'm going to look at three words Jesus uses. The first, strive. He says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Strive. Jesus is telling us that we should strive to get into heaven. And looking at this word in the New Testament, in the Greek, we, we discover is something totally other than what we attribute to this word strive today than what was attributed to it in Jesus' day. Agonzomai. Agonzomai is the Greek word. From it, we get an English word that kind of sounds similar, agony. Agonzomai, agony. The Greeks used the word agonzomai to describe Olympic game contests. They also used it to describe hand-to-hand -hand combat. These are the two uses of this word in Jesus' day. Thus Jesus, using this word, is using in order to tell us that we... Striving to get to heaven is like a contest that one works toward all of his or her life. Think of an Olympian. Trains and prepares for, sacrifices for, endures all kinds of hardships and injuries in order to win the victory. Furthermore, striving to get into heaven is like the agony one experiences when being in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Meaning, there will be enemies along the way. One has to be ready to fight for heaven. Jesus uses this word strive in these senses. This striving for heaven is far from the popular imaginations of today, where one doesn't have to struggle for one's salvation. One does not have to prepare and train and sacrifice for one's entire life. Rather, heaven is pretty much a guarantee. And one certainly doesn't have to agonize for it, to fight for heaven. Throughout one's life, let alone on a daily basis, to get into heaven. 
So which is it for you? Our popular imaginations today or Jesus' own words? Jesus' own word. Strong. Following that same sentence, strong is another word. Jesus says, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Many will try to enter through the narrow gate, heaven, but they will not be strong enough. Now, some context here is really important. In Jesus' day, many people did not live in the city. And the cities were always on hills and always walled. But they lived in the surrounding area. When a city was about to be under siege or attacked by a foreign power, an enemy, the people who lived in the outlying area were taught to take refuge within the protection of the city walls as quickly as possible. Thus, during an attack, thousands would attempt to go through the relatively narrow gates of the city walls of Jerusalem in order to enter the safety of the city and escape the imminent danger of the enemy. Only the strong made it through the gates during the rush to get into the city. The weak would not make it into the city in time and would be overtaken by the enemy. This is a harsh lesson from history and is one that Jesus is drawing upon in order to use to disturb us. Jesus is telling us that we need to be strong in our faith, well-practiced and exercised in our discipleship with the souls of warriors as we strive for heaven. Indeed, there will be times in our lives when we will be under siege by an enemy or attacked by powers that are foreign to our beliefs and values. And we will have to be strong as we attempt to enter into heaven under these conditions. Again, this image is far from the popular imaginations of our age. That getting into heaven is just means that you have to have some sort of belief in some, side, some sort of God and avoid great evil. No. One has to be strong in their faith to make it through all the sieges and attacks that are upon us as a people of faith in this world. No is the third word. No as in knowledge. No. Two times in the, in the following sentence, Jesus speaks about the necessity that he knows us as a condition for us entering into heaven. Jesus then tells us a parable along these lines. The master, he says, of the house has arisen and locked the door of his house. But we stand outside of the house and knock on the door. We want to get into heaven. We call out to him, Lord, open the door for us. Jesus responds, I do not know where you are from. Again, background is important here. In Jesus' time, if one did not know where one was from, it was a colloquial phrase often used. If one did not know where one was from, he didn't know his history. 
his background, his origins, his life's journey, then one truly didn't know the other person. They had to exchange lives, spend substantial amounts of time with one another over a series of years, and share an intimate friendship. To know where one was from meant that each person had opened up their lives to the other. This was authentic, enduring, intimate friendship. And it's this type of friendship that Jesus expects from us. He has done his part. He has opened up to us. He's opened himself up to us completely. Given all of himself to us. Given all of himself to us. And he expects that if we want to be with him forever in heaven, we would do the same while we are in this life striving for heaven. So let's look at those two uses of those words. Thus when we say with the people in today's parable, but Lord, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. Jesus responds again, yes, but I don't know where you are from. Meaning you never opened up fully to me, spent substantial time with me, walked with me intimately in friendship. It's interesting. The use of these words are in the context of we ate, we said, we ate and drank with you. So we should be able to get into the door. This is... These, these words, ate and drank, are particularly cutting for us as Catholic Christians. Because we know that Christ established the Catholic Church in his lifetime. And when he did this, remember too, this is the same Jesus who calls us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And we are still doing that to this day as Christians. There is no coincidence here in the use of his words. For us who come each week for Holy Communion, but never then really enter into a true friendship with Jesus, just because we ate and drank with Him doesn't guarantee our salvation. This should indeed disturb us. We can go to Mass every day or every week of our lives and throughout our lives, but only be acquainted with Jesus. Never really give ourselves totally to him. So Jesus then can truthfully say, in the colloquialism of his time, in which this is the sense in which he's speaking, I do not know where you come from. Likewise, when Jesus says, like the people in today's parable, you taught in our streets. And Jesus responds to them and to us, this isn't enough. He doesn't know where we come from. This too is hard for us to hear. We could spend years in religion classes during our school years, either in Catholic schools or what used to be called CCD and now is called PSR or elementary faith formation. We could spend years in our young lives formally learning the faith. And then we can state, as adults, you know what? I got all that stuff when I was young. 
and I heard the same thing over and over again. Why I go to Mass, it's the same over and over again, right? Or we can assume simply because we heard Him teach in our streets that we know His teachings, that this is all there is to know, that this will be enough to get us into heaven. Jesus is again reminding us that this is not enough. We only know His teachings, but we don't know Him. And in not knowing Him, we have not truly opened up to Him and fully given Him ourselves. Because here's the thing, if we truly do know Him, we will fully open up to Him and give Him totally our lives. There's the litmus test. And when we don't do this, He doesn't know where we come from. And we do not enter into heaven. So what does this all mean for us today? Does it mean few will be saved, as Jesus says in today's gospel from Luke 13? Or is there any hope that many can be saved? Well, with the mercy of Jesus Christ, we should always pray and have the hope that many can be saved. And then live according to that for our own salvation and the salvation of others. But hear this. The whole reason Jesus answers in the way that he does in today's gospel about striving and being strong enough and knowing him and being known by him, living our lives in such a way that we have a deep, intimate friendship with him, is that he's talking to you. Go back and read Luke 13. It says, someone from the crowd asked the question. And then it says, Luke says, that Jesus says, and then he answered them. Luke is deliberate in the use of every word guided and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Every word. And he doesn't identify somebody like a Pharisee ask, or a scribe ask, or the name of a person ask. Just someone. He doesn't identify even as a male or a female. Because Luke knows that God is speaking to you. And so it's someone, it's you. And then Jesus answers them, meaning us. He's talking to each of us as individuals. Forget about the prevailing imaginations of our day. Don't live according to them. Live according to Christ. Strive. Agonize. Be strong enough more than strong enough in the practice of your faith and across your life for knowing Jesus and allowing him to know you and having a deep friendship between the two of you. This will indeed then give you the hope that you will be saved. Plus, living in this way, it will also give you the desire to evangelize and pray for the ones who are sitting next to you. The ones you love the most, your family and friends who are here and who are out there. Fellow parishioners, and then also being open to the Lord calling you to lead more and more people to Him as He places them in your path. So they can strive for heaven, be strong in their faith, know God intimately, and become disciples and disciple makers, and be able to pass through the narrow gate.
Let me end with this story. Jim Beckman, in his reflections upon this particular scripture passage, tells this story. He's a biblical theologian I follow. He tells a personal story. He was at the airport and got a text from the airline that his flight was delayed due to bad weather. So he took his time getting to the gate. He did some shopping, got something to eat, etc. When he finally arrived at the gate, the gate had closed and the airplane was leaving the gate. He missed the flight. When he spoke to the airline employee, he was informed that when they got the window of opportunity to take off in the bad weather, they took it. Beckman, when he got the first text with the delayed departure time, never checked again for any more information. Beckman's point? This can be our lives as Christians. We can go with information that we received earlier in life. But for many of us, we stopped checking. We based our relationship with Christ and his teachings about some really, really, really important stuff in life, like how to get into heaven, on the information that we received in our youth. And we never ventured to truly and more fully update our faith along the way during our adulthood. Indeed, across our entire adult lives. We dilly-dally along the way, thinking we have time to catch our flight only to find out that the flight departs much earlier in life. We haven't striven. We haven't agonized. We aren't strong enough. And there is no deep relationship with Jesus. And we find ourselves standing outside, not an airline gate having missed our airline flight, but outside of heaven, having missed our ability to enter into heaven. So, how do we begin to strive for heaven, to agonize for heaven, to train and prepare and sacrifice across our lives for this great Olympic contest and hand-to-hand -hand combat to enter into heaven? How do we become strong enough to enter through the narrow gate, to hang on to our beliefs and values when many have abandoned them and even siege and attack us for them? How do we come to know God in a deep and intimate friendship? So across our lives, God knows where we come from, a life of pursuing him. Well, it really isn't complicated. Just because all we have to do is make the decision and take the actions to get on the path that leads you closer to God and helps you lead others closer to God. And we have set that path before you here at St. Francis, Francis de Sales. You know the path. I'm going to give you a new one. St. Paul Evangelization and Prayer Training here at St. Francis de Sales. We're bringing in St. Paul Institute, which is a national institute, and goes around the United States doing that, teaching evangelization and praying. It's one step forward for each of us. As a pastor, I believe it is absolutely essential that we learn how to pray and pray beyond the formula prayers that we have, as precious and as beautiful and necessary they, as they are. And not, not only to pray for ourselves, but learn how to pray for others and with others. Same goes with sharing our faith with others, particularly our loved ones and our friends, let alone the ones that God is going to send us. 
I want to encourage all of you as our parishioners and any non-parishioners here to attend this training on prayer and sharing faith. God is calling us to renewal of our parish. And sharing faith can be a game changer. Growing as people of prayer can be a game changer for you and for our parish. Please register now. Let God teach you through this awesome national team that will be here at our parish to help us grow in our relationship with God and give us the tools to help others. The training is in two weekends from now, September 7th and 8th. Registration is on the website. We'll send you flock notes about it with the link, and there's information in the bulletin if you don't use the electronic stuff. And now here's an old one, but is ongoing. Alpha. You've heard us talk about it time and time again. If you haven't done it, please, God, do it. Let go of whatever you think it is or it isn't. Alpha is designed for all people in all walks of their faith life to fall more deeply in love with God and His people and then to set you on a course that moves you forward from it. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's the Alpha. Who doesn't want that? To fall more deeply in love with God and His people. It's a wonderful tool to reach out and bring our loved ones and those who we see far off into a relationship with Christ and us into a deeper one. How many people have you brought to Christ lately? How many? It is kind of awkward, and sometimes we don't know what to say or do. Alpha makes it easy also. Invitation and prayer is the key to Alpha. I invite you then to follow me in this pattern of living. Me plus three. Me plus three. Pray now for four, three people you would like to invite, and then invite them to Alpha, then go with them to Alpha. Think about three people during this Mass and pray for them. Start praying for them right now. You've heard from our glory stories from fellow prisoners over the past couple weeks of how important the invitation was to them. If you've not experienced Alpha, please consider attending and bring your friends. In your pews, in fact, are postcards. You can pass them along to others for you to take home. And tables are set up in the vestibule area. It's easy to invite someone to the launch party, which is going to be on September 15th at 12.15, just by handing them this card. And if you run out, we got more. The full schedule for Alpha is in the bulletin. Me plus three. We have so much here at St. Francis de Sales Parish, starting in September, for you to strive, to agonize, to grow strong enough, and to develop a deep relationship with Christ through Alpha. And also through like Walking with Purpose, which is a Bible study for women. That Man is You, which is brand new this year for our men. It's a discipleship group for men. Beloved for married couples. There's going to be a women's retreat. In fact, two of them. One here and one at Damascus. There's going to be a men's retreat later in the fall. There's Eucharistic Adoration, both the ones in the back in our chapel where you do it one-on-one -on -one with God, and Eucharistic Adoration services, which are once a month. There's Reconciliation. We have a young adults group. We have a dynamic high school youth group and a host of other opportunities. 
Let me end with this question. Will only a few be saved? Can many be saved? I hope so. But who knows? The more important question is this. Will you be saved? And what about your loved ones? Jesus calls us from today's gospel, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. Strive, agonize, grow strong in your faith, develop an intimacy with God, and lead others to Christ. Is there anything more important in life and more important to spend our precious time on?